HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring food for the eyes, how the art and culinary worlds collide. Incredibly elaborate. It's a feast for the eyes, a banquet dinner with garnished ham, turkey, and an array of accompaniments. We shot uh, baguettes with like paint dripping off of them with the blue, white, and red from the French flag. Oh, what did the student tell me? They said, the camera eats first. And it's so true. It's so true. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are so excited this week to be sitting down with LA Times journalist and host of the upcoming Bucket List, a show all about fried chicken, Jen Harris. We talk about how the show came to life, her lifelong career in journalism, and the hunt for that perfect piece of crispy fried chicken. Then we dig deep, deep, deep into the archives for one of our favorite performances in the early 2010s, 2010-aughts, however you want to say it, with Hands, who our good buddy Sean Hess played drums in, who we saw at South by Southwest, and then we invited on this show. It's a fantastic throwback to an era gone by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half of your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are here with Jen Harris, senior food writer and video host of the LA Times. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, so you have been working or involved with journalism for a long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, starting in, I assume, college, but even before that, did you get into journalism in high school, what drew you into that pursuit? Uh, I mean, I've always loved writing. Sure. Um, when I was little, I like made my own magazines. I was I super that. nerdy. What um, was the name? Is Jen's Mag. It, you know, classic. It, yes, yes, very forward thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I've just always been into writing and reading and media. Um, and you know, in high school, I dabbled in some yearbook but we didn't really have like a newspaper or anything mm -hmm. um, but when I got to college uh, at UC Irvine um, I started writing for the uh, new university which was our school newspaper at the time uh, and was writing also I actually went to UC Irvine because they started a literary journalism program um, so just, just been into it so it's always been something that's drawn to you that you could see dedicating your life to yeah, I mean, my parents thought that I would not make a living at it and were kind of hesitant and wanted, were kind of pushing me in the direction of, like, law. Sure. Uh, so They're like, there's also writing in law. Yes, yes. They were like, there are so many other things you could do and, like, make a living and we won't have to support you forever. Um, but I have been able to make a living at this, which I've, you know, very fortunate. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to go for it. I mean, not to besmirch writers, but you had the writing part, but then also an application to that writing as an idea of a professional pursuit. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of that, I mean, when I graduated UC Irvine, I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like most people when they graduate college, I was like, yeah, I can write and I've worked for a couple places, but like, you know, I didn't have the reporting chops that sure. I think and I know you needed to be an actual journalist. So that's why I went to grad school. Mm. Um, I ended up at Annenberg um, at USC for a two-year program. Um, and they, like the first week of school, they dropped me on Skid Row, like out of a van with like six other students as like an orientation thing. And they were like, do a story. Didn't give us any parameters. They were just like, mm. do a story. We'll come get you <laughs> in a little bit. And then you had to basically present like a pitch later that day Interesting. to the rest of the 60 plus person class. Was there a lesson you learned in that moment that you still follow today? Uh, there were a lot of lessons in that moment. And, um, and I mean, one being, you are always going to be uncomfortable. Like, you just have to deal with it. Like, mm. for me, like, I think as a journalist, I'm constantly putting myself in really uncomfortable situations and asking people questions maybe they don't want to talk about or just, like, being weird. And I feel like when you get dropped off on Skid Row and you're like, do a story, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, am yeah. I, like, you know what I mean? Sorry, can I curse? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> but so, you, but you just kind of have to, like, like okay I can do this like just be confident and be prepared to talk to strangers and just like be okay with being uncomfortable it's so interesting that you say that because so many professional journalists reporters do have this air of confidence of chasing a story being like I know where I want to go or I have if not know where the story leads but I know what I the story I want to tell or hope to tell and it's amazing to hear that part of that is masking a sort of uncomfortability and insecurity I don't want to say insecurity, well, but, but like an insecurity in the like, I'm putting myself out there in a way that is part of the professional rigors of the job. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, there, I mean, I feel like I've 
gotten more learned to be more confident sure. obviously over the years um but yeah at the heart of it you're like oh you know i gotta go talk to the stranger right now who i you know i mean you'll do your research and you know about them but sure some, it's just it's just a little uncomfortable sometimes <laughs> so you just have to deal with it yeah I, I it's funny to have that feeling going into a conversation when you're like i'm prepared i know what i want to talk about I, I don't know how to feel about myself. Where am I going to put my hands? What am I going to ask them? Are they going to be mad at me? Yeah, it's just it's just natural feelings. But but yeah, they but that first day, um, yeah, and just also don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, you they, know, they like say no. Yeah, exactly. The worst they can say is no, and then what? Well, You're, they could say worse than well, that. Well, they could. I mean, they could technically it's say still worse a version than that. Of no. Just yes. a little bit ruder. Yes, but it's just like, you know, and then you're like, okay, I'm still okay. It didn't yeah. work out. It's the next one. It's okay. So food journalism has always seemed to be a part of what you have written about. Um, with a quick cursory glance at your LinkedIn page, <laughs> uh, food or entertainment or restaurants has always been there. What drew you to that so early on in your career? Because this is, you know, mid-2000s. Food mm-hmm. journalism isn't what it is now. But what... What made you gravitate towards that? It's stuff I like. Hmm. Uh, and I know that's probably a boring, really simple answer. No. But but you, but honestly, when I, you know, growing up, that's what I, I, I love food. I was constantly surrounded by food and people who appreciated food. Um, on the weekends, my parents would drive us to little Ethiopia or somewhere just to try different types of food. Um, and so I'm, I'm lucky that I've been around people who appreciate food and who can cook, like my both my grandmothers, my mom. I mean, I feel like this is a common story. You grew up with a family who loves food. You really wanted to get into sure. it. But I just, I was like, no, I'm going to do this. Like, this is what I would like to make my money doing. And those early days of chasing food stories, uh, did you go beyond being like, this is a new restaurant opening up? Were you trying to show that food was an entryway to tell a different type of story or to get a different perspective or to get people open up in a way that just going at something directly wasn't, you know, providing those types of answers? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's always the goal is to kind of not go the traditional route. Um, but yeah, even like my thesis in grad school was I made a whole website devoted to like food in L.A., but it covered everything from um, cooking to new restaurants to uh, community gardens. Mm-hmm. So I was I was trying and the whole website was that um, there was like Q&A's and uh, different interviews and stories and profiles. And so I was hoping that that would be a good showcase of my work from when I went out into the workforce. Um, but yeah, I think that's always the goal to try and try and not do the obvious thing. Now you came to the LA Times a long time ago. Yeah, I'm really old. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say old, but you've been there for a, almost a decade. Yeah, this July will be 10 years. Um, obviously the LA Times is one of the most influential newspapers in America. How did you wind up there? How did you get your foot in the door? So when I... Got out of grad school, uh, it was 2010, mm-hmm. and every all my professors, everyone, they were telling us, the whole class, they were like, no matter how good you are, who you are, you're going to be freelancing. There are no jobs in journalism. Journalism is going down the toilet. Like, thank you for paying us all this money for this amazing school. But, final lesson, yeah, by final the way, lesson. the check has been cashed. Exactly. You probably won't get a job. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. And yeah. so... I had already planned a trip to my first trip to Europe to go visit a friend who was sure. living there. And I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go to Europe. Um, but before I did, because I'm very type A, I had a spreadsheet and I applied to like 50 jobs. Great. Like things from being a copy editor at Shoe Dazzle, sure. like Kim Kardashian's shoe thing when it first started, to like anything. 
and but one of those jobs was a web producer at the LA Times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this job at the LA Times, like right out of grad school. But I applied anyway, I applied, along with these 49 other jobs. Um, and the week I got back from Europe, I got an email from someone there and they were like, hey, you know, we liked your resume. Like, so then I had a, we scheduled like a two hour phone interview. And then I went in for an interview and then they offered me a job. That's amazing. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so, but it starts, so I started as a web producer in the fashion and book review section. So I wasn't related to the food section yet when I first started. Um, and then like my second month, I was like, hey, you guys, but, but that's the thing with that place. Cause that wasn't exactly the job I wanted. Cause so you were basically uh, organizing and helping produce web content, but most of it was helping produce other people's web content. So it wasn't mm. a ton of writing, but my mom was like, just get your foot in the door and sure. then kick it the fuck open. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I got there, I was doing my job. I was like, hey, to the image uh, editor at the time, I was like, hey, you guys don't have a ton of celebrity fashion stuff. Like I've noticed something like a frugal fashion thing might work. And then they gave me a Sunday column like in a couple months. So it's, I was, I was fortunate enough to work with people at the times who like would actually give me a chance. A and, big thing. Yeah, and who were like, and wanted to mentor me. And then, you know, then I was confident enough to be like, okay, I'm gonna start writing stuff for entertainment. or hey, Russ Parsons, who was the food editor at the time, like, you don't know me, but can I please write anything for food? I was like, I'm a huge fan of the food section. I sit around the corner from you. You've probably mm. never seen me, but, like, I'm going to take you to lunch. He let me take him to the cafeteria downstairs. Mm. And then and then he was like, okay, go write about the Orange County Food Fair. Amazing. And then it started from there. And then I just, yeah. So the advice you would give to people is put the foot in the door. Yes. Kick the door the fuck in. And yes. then just ask and ask and just ask, ask. Yeah. The, again yes they can say no but like just ask because he he's not I mean the person you need something from is not going to know magically that you want to do something for them Absolutely. or that you can do something for them I mean you have to ask you have to put yourself out there and ask again be uncomfortable super uncomfortable <laughs> yeah there's nothing that moment right before you ask for something that you may not get is a very very yeah. uncomfortable it's terrifying mm-hmm. um, but sometimes it pays off so the stories that you were pitching early days in the food world um what were they what were the stories that you thought needed to be told that weren't being told in 2010 so in 2010 uh the la i mean i feel like the la times was going through something called digital first which i think people would argue we're still you know moving towards um but they were really into um obviously telling good stories but obviously traffic like i feel like so a lot of story so i was doing stuff on new restaurants, like stories I wanted to do um, back then. I don't think it was 2010. I think it was a little after. But um, like Joseph Centeno was making such a huge mark in downtown L.A. I remember even from in living in New York, hearing about Lazy Ox, Buckle Marquette, and being like, what is going on? Yeah, the guy is wicked talented. Uh, He's so smart. He has good instincts. And he was turning, you know, 4th and Main the old bank district in downtown LA into a food hub, like into a place that people actually wanted to come to eat at. Um, and people who like didn't come to downtown or people on the West side were like, I'm going to go downtown to go eat at Baco Mercat. Yeah. So I was like, I need to tell this guy's story. So, uh, I pitched a story following him around, um, as he went to his different restaurants, kind of like a day with Joseph sure. and, and what he's doing to downtown and why. Um, so I thought like that was a good story to tell, but then I would also have to balance that with, riffing off the news like um 
I don't know, some study came out that Oreos were as addictive as cocaine. And that has my byline. You know what I mean? So it was was like a balancing act of like telling stories that were important that I really wanted to tell, but also this other stuff that was like super entertaining, but not what I... Driving traffic. Exactly. So, yeah. And how has that shifted over the years as you've grown in the ranks? Now you're the senior food writer. Um, But not only that, the shift in food culture and, and what people want to read out of food has changed in the last decade. And thank God for that. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, but what are the stories you, you like to cover now? What's like your, I don't want to say perfect is such a terrible word, but like what is your ideal story that you can put in the newspaper that you're like, this is important? Um, well, one I did recently I was super proud of uh, writing about just the restaurant industry in L.A. and how hard it is. And because what happened was I talked to a lot of chefs and they tell me, you know, we don't know what to do. Labor is going up. Cost of food is going up. We're going to have to put an iPad on the table and fire all the servers Mm. or, you know what I mean? And or we're going to have to raise the price of something by 30 percent and then no one's going to want to come in just to just to stay open. Not that they're getting rich. This is just to stay open Mm -hmm. and not have to cut their salary again. Then I was talking to diners who are like, everything is so fucking expensive. Like, we can't afford to eat out anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is creating, I was like, oh my God, in 10 years, it's just gonna be chain restaurants. And I'm, it's gonna be miserable. And it's gonna be hard for someone, you know, an independent chef who doesn't have huge pockets behind him um, or her to, to do anything creative or to do anything or just to survive. Um, so I, I, I talked to a ton of people a ton of chefs, um, diners, and just to try and see like what was happening and kind of just like be like, all right, this is why it's so hard to run a restaurant in LA. And, and hopefully, you know, open diners' eyes to what's happening on the restaurant side sure. and open up, you know, restaurateurs' eyes to what diners are thinking. So you're using your articles to not just inform, but to also create conversation. Yes. And, and, and have people say like, hey, there is a larger economic story going on. It's essentially telling a, a larger story, but through, through food. Through food. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal can't always do it but but that's always the goal yeah sometimes you do need just those restaurant listing openings sometimes you do and some i mean even if i'm just doing a list on where to get the best x or where to eat in the south bay it's like i'm hoping someone goes oh my god i didn't know that restaurant was there and goes or or hey actually there are good things to eat in this neighborhood or or whatever it is um but yeah i'm always hoping to spark a little bit of a conversation yeah well we're gonna take a little break we're gonna come back and talk about some of those lists Especially fried chicken. Okay. Maybe a little bit of dumplings. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to Snacky Tunes. We have a song from the archives here on heritageradionetwork.org.
welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are with Jen Harris, senior food writer and video host at the LA Times. And one of the lists, or one of the curatorial things you're known for, is fried chicken. Yeah. Which I know has been talked about before, but I'd like to go back a little bit and talk about when you first remember fried chicken and when it entered your life, and maybe a little bit about the importance of what it means to you personally as a dish. So, uh, my chicken origin story is twofold. <laughs> it's it's uh, but both family oriented. Um, I grew up uh, in Pasadena, uh, and my Chinese grandma was in Monterey Park, and I saw her all the time. And a lot of times she was the one watching my sister and I, and she would take us to all these little cafes uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. And she would order stuff like the congee, which I love now, but I was like, that is some weird rice soup. Like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to eat that as a little kid. Um, but on most of these menus, they always had chicken wings, like fried chicken wings. And so I started to just order those every time because that was safe and comforting for me. Uh, and then I just kind of became addicted to it. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, now I love to eat everything, obviously, but there's there's just this inherent comfort in a plate of chicken wings for mm -hmm. me. At the same time, uh, my mom cooked a lot when we were little, and one of the dishes she would make all the time was fried chicken. Hmm. And she did it where she she had the flour in a bag, and she would shake it, and, and she would just fry it in a shallow pan, and it was delicious. And that was on the regular rotation at the Harris household. And so between that and the chicken wings, I was getting fried chicken a good amount, and I was just obsessing over it. Um, but I think in high school, I actually started to like seek it out outside the home and outside of the restaurants my grandma was taking me to. Do you to. feel like you were cheating on your mom and your grandma? It definitely was. Definitely. Um, but they no, were okay no, no. with it. You'll always be my number one. Exactly. But I need a little side chicken. Exactly. I need more chicken. Yeah. So it seems to be tied up in nostalgia, but also flavor and things like that. Um, it's the perfect food. It is pretty perfect. Yeah. Um, You've also written a lot about it. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i not going to read all the articles. Oh my god, how many do I have? I, I only went back like two years, and okay. there's the new Szechuan hot chicken, Food Bowl this week fried chicken, Lucky Bird is launching a fried chicken breakfast, <laughs> a food festival devoted with chicken wings, I mean, Nashville hot chicken. I mean, I, I was like, oh, maybe I can find a few, and I, like, I was like, okay, I get the point. But what is the story that fried chicken is telling? And, and what are you trying to show by these different people who are making fried chicken as the same conversation starter as you did with maybe the restaurant economies and things like that? I mean, I think it depends on the chicken. I do think chicken is like the great unifier, fried chicken, um, just because so many different cultures have some variation of fried poultry, um, whether it's like Japanese karaage or Korean fried chicken wings or Southern fried chicken or hot chicken. Um, like for instance, hot chicken, I did that story on hot chicken getting so popular in LA because I feel like a lot of people didn't know where hot chicken came from or who invented hot chicken. Um, a lot of people making hot chicken didn't have never been to Nashville and again, didn't know, really know what it was. They saw the lines at Hall and Ray's and were like, oh, we gotta do that. Mm. Um, so I thought it was important to tell the story of where hot chicken came from. Um, but also, yeah, why it's so popular in LA now and who's making it, um, but I think chicken, fried chicken for a lot of people is nostalgic. There, it's it's comfort food, um, and I I think now it's we are reaching peak fried chicken in LA. I feel like there's just so much chicken, whether it's actual fried chicken restaurants or restaurants that are not known for fried chicken, putting a fried chicken sandwich on the menu. Like 
Sarah and Sarah at Kismet have an amazing fried chicken sandwich that's off menu. Um, but that restaurant is not a fried chicken. Son of a gun. Yeah, son of a gun. Yeah. There are so many great restaurants making fried chicken. Um, so I, th- I think it's always been popular. Uh, I think it's always been a comfort dish for people. But I think the real boom hit when hot chicken came to L.A. and everyone lost their minds. Yeah, and shout out to Johnny and Amanda yeah. and Helen. But I think people saw dollar signs too. Of course they did. They saw dollar signs, and they saw that as like, a, oh, maybe this is a way to make some, yes. make some money. Yes. Um, you have a show coming out dedicated to fried chicken and the stories behind it. Called, I do. And I have said this to you in person, <laughs> and I'll go on the record, the bucket list. And when I heard. Because I knew about the show before I knew about the name, and then I heard the name, and I got uh, creatively jealous of it being, like, the most perfect name and pitch Yay. for a show about fried chicken. Yay, thanks. But how did the show come to be? Uh, what made you want to take your journalistic approach into video as well? Um, I'm a goofball. I like vid- I like doing videos. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, it's fun for me. Um, but this show came about because, yeah, everyone around me at work they were like Jen you do a lot of chicken stuff like and I was like yeah and at the same time it's kind of the perfect storm where at the same time we were starting to you know we have a new editor Peter Meehan who's Shout fantastic and Pete is like someone where you give him a crazy idea and he doesn't automatically say no he's like he's one of those people who um, lets you explore different things and is very supportive and awesome and obviously has the best ideas himself so it was kind of him coming on board us as a paper investing more in video mm-hmm. like my colleague Lucas Kwan Peterson who was also on your show um, with go Al- to the archives Peter was also on for yeah. the uh, LA uh, Lucky Peach nice yeah R.I.P. I know every I'm day still, I shouldn't every, literally every day but you go to the archives listen to both of them yeah um, and so Lucas has his amazing show off menu mm-hmm. and so I was like okay I, I, I would like to do a video series and what do I love more than anything um, fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in LA, again, and I, and I feel like the show is something that will, it's like you'll watch it, you'll learn something that you didn't know about fried chicken, and I, th- I hope you will love it even more. Um, so, yeah, it's all about the best fried chicken in Los Angeles and beyond and who's making it. And how did you curate this list? How did you narrow down the stories you wanted to tell in the fried chicken you wanted to feature? It was hard. It's still hard. Um, we're just finishing it up right now, and because uh, there's so much great trick, great chicken in LA, and there's so many great people making it, that I had a really hard time narrowing it down to ten. Um, so I'm hoping that it's a good variety of types of chicken, places, and people. Um, but there's always more. Hopefully, there's a season two. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a season yeah. two. How does exploring one type of dish across different cultures? Uh, different people, different cuisines. How does it help you tell about those people and draw parallels between those people? Um, I think naturally you find similarities. Um, I mean, as long as you ask the right or wrong questions, I Mm. feel like you'll find something new. Um, But there's there's just so many different kinds. What have you found in the show as some of the similarities of people who make fried chicken and make it their business? Uh, that they like to guard their secrets. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that it's no, that it's something very personal, though. Um, each each person I talk to has like a very 
unique story behind why they do what they do and um, and how they do it. Uh, so that fried chicken is a very personal thing. Um, and for most people I talk to, it's, it's a really great way for them to connect with other people or their larger community. Have you been inspired, or what's the most inspiring moment that you found by doing this show? I've, I've had a lot of them. Um, one. I think, uh, well, one, on so there's an episode um, all about fried chicken sandwiches in L.A., um, and we visit uh, Shad's new Cali catering truck. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. The chef, Michael Lawless, he was just making fried chicken and other, like, gumbo out of the side of his house in the South Bay, um, and then he just kind of created a business for himself doing that uh via instagram and just kind of like but literally just like this is like the best entrepreneurial success story he just did it all himself he got really popular on instagram saved up a lot enough money um and bought a food truck and just works really fucking hard making the best fried chicken his fried chicken is the closest i've come to willie mays in new orleans wow like it is so good and he is so humble about it and just like really respects the craft of making fried chicken and just now is going like bananas with this food truck and makes an incredible sandwich. And so I, I feel like he's just a really good success story. And I don't want to say placing judgment, but do you, there's always this thing of like people doing something for the right reason. Is that part of what helps maybe take fried chicken from just being like a product to a story you want to share? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, sure, I, I don't want to speak for him, but I'm sure one day he'd like to get rich, but I don't, like, he's doing it because he loves it. Sure. Uh, and, and you can tell um, by the ingredients he uses, how he does it, how long it takes. I mean, you order your sandwich, and you're going to get it 40 minutes later because he will not start it until you order it. He, like, takes a lot of pride in what he does. That's what Princess, Princess does as well. Exactly. They say, we don't put the chicken in the fryer until we put the money in the register. Yeah, that's a, but that's the thing. It's, like, people who take pride in what they're doing, you can tell when you taste it, and it's amazing, and it's fun to watch. It's amazing. Speaking of watching, you have another show. Oh, God, yeah. I can make that. <laughs> uh, where, and I saw, I believe, the first episode with Shout Out to Jazz. Jazz. Jazz Burger and yes. Jitlada. Um, how did that show come about? So, I love to try, I just do that on my own. Um, I like to recreate restaurant dishes or just stuff that I've had out. I just try and make them at home with no recipe. That's how I like to spend my free time. Super nerdy. Um, so, and, uh, my uh, boss at that, so Peter was aware of this. Andrea Chang, who's the deputy editor, who's also amazing, was aware of this because I'd cooked for her before. And Kimmy Yoshino, who's all of our bosses at the times, uh, she was aware of this as well. And so I, like, I was putting together some stuff of like some ideas of what I could do. Maybe I could do a little cooking this. And that was one of the ideas I put forward. And they were all just like, yes, this is, they're like, we know you do this all the time anyway. Um, you've cooked for us. We love it. Like, let's just try it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I just, I was like, what's, what's one thing I always want at 2 a.m. when I can't get it? It's that jazz burger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just, um, so I tried to make it, and I tried to make it a lot, uh, a lot of different ways. Um, and it's not quite Jazz's burger, as you can see from the video, yes. but it's a, it's a, it's a damn good burger. And she's pretty, she's pretty happy with it. She was happy with it. Yeah. She, she eventually said she loved it. Yes. Oh. Yes. Um, yeah. So I want to ask one last question before we're out of time, and this is about your curation of LA dumplings, which 
hot it, topic. It's a hot topic. Yeah. And it's something very, very near and dear to me. Um, but this question gets asked a lot of when you are staring down the chasm of L.A. with seemingly an endless variety of food, especially the dumpling. How do you approach and curate that list? Because it seems, I mean, because you go from Koreatown, you go to the SGV. I mean, you could literally just do Monterey Park and have a list of, oh, yeah, of, of course. 10 places. But what is that approach? What is that approach to when you're curating? And you can use Dumpling as an example because I personally just want to know. Well, Darren, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it was difficult. But again, like with everything, I'm, I want to make sure that it's a good variety and that there's a little something for everyone. So with the dumplings, and even now, I am regretful that I didn't have Momo's on there. Like, mm. that keeps me up at night. And I think I will eventually update the article with some Momo's. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I was really trying to, like, I wanted uh, Georgian Kinkali on there. I wanted all types of dumplings that are delicious to eat. Um, so I, I just wanted to get all over the city and eat a bunch of dumplings. Um, but yeah, but it was about having a little bit of something for everybody. I love it. Well, Jen, thank you so much. Thank you. If people want to watch the show or follow you online or see where you eat, where can they go? So if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Jen underscore Harris underscore. Um, and then, How yeah. many R's and how many S's? <laughs> Two R's, one S. How many N's? Two N's. People got to know. Yeah, I know. They got to know. Yes. There is a Broadway actress with my name, so yeah. hence the underscores. Yes. Um, and then uh, latimes.com slash food for all our articles. And then please go to our new YouTube channel, like, subscribe, watch everything, share, um, youtube.com slash latimesfood. And what should they do with the like button? You should smash it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Shout out to LA Times. Uh, we have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacking Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Uh, yeah. So we got hands in the studio. Yeah. And and we also have um, our good buddy Paul Tao, who's, Paul Tao. who's playing that. And our... Hi. <laughs> and uh, our good buddy Matt Goldman, which makes this the most LA edition of. Snacky and can we Team. say what's up to Nikki, even though she's not here? Oh yeah, where's Nikki? Having dinner. Boring. What? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. All right, whatever. Uh, so um, Hans was introduced to me uh, by Paul actually at South by Southwest. He was like, "Come see my friend Sean's band," and I was like, oh, "All right, I'm like cool, whatever." <laughs> hold on, why, but, you, hold on, but you know, year in year out, South by SMJ, Paul's the most impeccable taste of all bands. Right. 
Keep this eating. <laughs> so, uh, what's that moonshine? Yeah, what's, what's that moonshine? Uh, the whole band has now tried original moonshine, and we've all got the sweat. Dogs, on. what do you guys think? Good? Yeah, go right. I'm yeah. sweating. It's it something else. Strong. I'm growing. Uh, no, it yeah. isn't. It's really easy to drink. I'm yeah, yeah that, that's really? a part, yeah. <laughs> that might be the problem. But uh, uh, it was afternoon showcase, and I loved it. And then I pretty much harassed uh, Sean. Be like. Yeah, this is your showcase. It was, um, I don't remember, it was like that, some random bar. Do you remember what the name of the bar was, like, afternoon show? Shangri-La? No, no, no. it was, um, oh, the other show. it was a tropical one, because it was a Hit City USA bar. Yeah. Oh, Headhunters. Oh, Headhunters. Oh, my God, yeah. Headhunters. You know, Headhunters is, like, predominantly, like, a really cheesy metal bar. Most not time. not that afternoon. It uh, was predominantly such great awesome. bands like Austin's favorite Oklahomos have played there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a crowd. It, it gets real. It gets real. So uh, and then since then I was like, we should really try and get this band. Who wants some sweetbreads? Uh, we yeah. should really. Yeah. yeah. Dig on in, people. Uh, sweetbreads. Sweetbreads are thyroids from uh, which animal? The the the, 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 the thymus the, gland from the. It's like usually like. Like veal sweepers, like it's like a calf. Right? And hand steps up to the mic with the correct answer. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, these are delicious. Um, so, <laughs> trying to conduct interviews here. <laughs> so, hands, let's talk to you about what you're anyway, all about. So, uh, these we, guys got him from LA. You met them? And no, they got him from awesome. LA from LA today. Correct? Indeed. No, 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 we got no. Here from Florida. Yeah. Oh, so have you been on the road? We've been on some roads. Hard hitting questions. Yeah, we're in the air. Oh, so it seems like you've been away from home. Are you on tour? No, no, no. What was in Florida? We played Deluna Festival. What is that? It's a festival on the beach. Yeah, it was just you know music fest. It's the sandals only. Uh, oh yeah, no shoes. sandals only. No, no shoes, no shirts. Right. No shoes, no shirts. No shoes, no shirts. All dice. It's the panhandle. So yeah. you know. Uh, who played? Yeah. Oh, you said Wallpaper played, right? Yeah. Wallpaper. yeah. Who are on their, who's on their way? Right. Well, he is yeah, on. Yeah. Rick, Ricky Reed? Ricky Reed. All right, so talk to us about hands. How do you guys form? How do you guys meet? What are you all about? Um. Okay, so Ryan and I, this is Jeffrey from Hands. I sing Welcome. And, and other stuff. Um. Yeah, Ryan and I went to high school together in uh, Princeton, New Jersey about a million years ago. Record exchange, right? And right. Yeah, yeah, thank you, P-Rex, up in the fucking house. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, so then we moved Hogan out to Los Haven. Angeles. Whatever. Yes, yeah, this guy's got Keep incredible going. education over here. Um, uh, and then we moved to Los Angeles because we Terrace Club. hated Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> you guys go to the Terrace Club back in the day? No. Was that before you the you know, Princeton University? Whatever, some rock coalition yeah. there. Anyway, scene <laughs> <laughs> um, points, right? Yeah, okay. that was that's at least eleven points. Um, then we moved to Los Angeles okay. and did nothing for a couple years, except maybe scored a couple films and wrote some acoustic crap. And Wait, then you scored films? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what film? Scored a couple of film we babes. Did a we did a, a documentary actually about the extinction of redheads. Um, Gingers? Uh, Gingers. Is, is that like a real documentary? Yeah, well, it was a friend of ours did it uh, as a grad student at USC. That sounds like a, like a bad South Park episode. It was great. Yeah. It was a good South Park is episode. Um, is it true? It is kind of true, actually. What's I mean, the, uh, does it take two gingers to make a ginger? It doesn't, but uh, it helps. 
It definitely helps. helps. <laughs> uh, Matt, Matt Goldman adding color commentary. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm glad. So, so wait a second. So wait a second. You, uh... On, I have to imagine the deal so with red-headed so ginger. Like, what is it like to score a film? Because not, not a lot of people get to do that. That's a pretty insane um, thing. Yeah, I mean, the other actual film film we did was a, an independent called Less um, that was directed by... Uh, a guy named Ga- uh, Gabriel Diamond, who's kind of tight in the crew of um, what's her name? She did uh, Me and You and Everyone We Know. Okay. Miranda July. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, what's that? What's that genre called? Sweatercore. Yeah, exactly. Sweatercore. Fucking weirdo core. I'm, no, I'm serious. Um, That's the name of the genre. It's called Sweatercore. Yeah, and, and it sounds about it's right. Very um, yeah, and it, it was it was interesting. It's funny because I mean, no one watches the movie because they're just looking at their feet. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> we use, we wait. Here it comes. Throw it on, Jack. <laughs> this right. episode is not going to That's not what I was looking for. Shine. Yeah, Can maybe we should have. Maybe we should have started with it. So you're scoring films. So yeah, we did less. It was it was you know it was a blast. We got to pretend that we knew what we were doing. Um, wait, how did it turn out? It turned out good. I cool. mean, we actually premiered at the Sunset Lemley like this past year. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's no, that's no that's no small thing. No, it was cool. They actually um, oh, and they ended for up this using festival. It was a music festival that they was premiered film, it film with. Festival. Yeah, film festival. I'm sorry, and um, they contacted us like three days before the festival and asked if they could use the trailer music for the entire festival. So our music for the film ended up being the theme song of the the whole That's amazing. film festival. It was it was a really when he sent that email, I was just like, wow. Like, Isn't that a good moment awesome. when you're like, I think we did something good, and everyone's like, we love what you've done. Yes, and you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like it's just nice to, to be like, we're gonna do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because we believe in it, and then people are like, we love what you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we loved the guys. I mean, from the get go, it was kind of like. We dug their aesthetic. The film seemed pretty cool, and we were totally down. So you're in go. L.A., scoring films, scoring babes, <laughs> and how'd the band come about? Okay, so fast forward a couple years, we have a good friend, Xander, uh, who plays in a extremely good band, Pepper Rabbit. If you don't know them, check them out. Pepper Rabbit? Pepper Rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Another rabbit band. Is it uh, <laughs> is it one R in the Pepper and the Rabbit share? No, okay. no. It's just, just straight old Pepper Rabbit. Salty Bunny. Traditional. Um, and <laughs> it's a traditional non R sharing he's, band. He's he's like you know good friends with many uh, many an LA musician, specifically a band called oh damn uh, called Local Natives. Oh, big fan of Local Natives. Shout so, out to Ryan and right? crew. They're all who, who they're all met? super nice. Ryan at all who we met through Matt this summer. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and they're the nicest guys. Small world after all, am I right? We ended up at a party I think somewhere, and I met Sean, our, our drummer. And then two weeks later at a local Navis party, like, handed him a demo and was like, yo, if you like this, let's hang out and jam. We met Alex on Craigslist. Nice. Yes. Were you just, uh, That's right. Okay. That's right. What, what was the post? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, looking foot for massages. Yeah, I was going to say, looking for somebody with li- hey, liberal foot massages. Two li- tickets to local skills. Native show, free, <laughs> topless. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we basically just wanted a human, like, horse that we could ride around. Wow. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, no, actually, we were looking for a bassist, and somehow, the first bassist who walked through our door, thanks to Mr. Craig and his list, was this guy over here. Can I Alex tell you I met Craig. Oh my god. I met Craig at this weird this is back like when Money Silk just did for events and there was some <laughs> weird party in, in um like um in Midtown. I met Craig. Totally non non descriptive Jewish dude. 
<laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Millionaire. Why don't we get a song? Yeah, let's get a song. <laughs> yeah, that's a song. <laughs> what, you I know that like story? No, that, that story was really good. It was almost as good as the shootout from earlier earlier today. Hey, I met Craig. <laughs> I did. I mean, no, like, he's a real person. It's, you know. Anyway, uh, all right. So right. play a song. And his name's Craig. Can we? No, it is legitimately, Craig. Like, like someone was like, someone was like, "Hey, this is Craig," and they went from Craigslist. <laughs> 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 um, all right, so we're gonna play a song. What's the first song we got up? Warm night home. Yeah. Was it? It's gonna be warm night home. We actually home. just released this as a single last week. So, uh, so is this an exclusive? Download the internet. Down on the internet. No. <laughs> on such blogs as all of them and Hype Machine. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, alright, so here we go. Uh, Live with Saki Tunes.
Awesome. It's quite, Woo. it's quite sweaty in here. Uh, I <laughs> wish that that air conditioner... I mean, no, dude, that a, that AC can't come bet that whiskey. Moonshine. Yeah, no, there's nothing moonshine. About that. So, uh, so talk to us about uh, what the LA scene is like these days. How you guys, you know, we know a lot about the New York scene. Hard-hitting questions. Yeah. East side. Yeah. <laughs> East side? Yeah. East side. Well, well, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know much about the LA scene. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, we moved uh, to LA, like I said, four years ago, Ryan and I, and had no idea really what uh, you know getting into venues or we just didn't know what we were doing and uh, it turns out all the venues basically are on the east side save a few and the few that aren't are like you know kind of bigger Troubadour Palladium stuff like that on uh, on the west side of LA favorite place to play favorite place to play uh, I'd have and, to say uh, yeah I was gonna say, oh, I was gonna say yeah. yeah it was about, I know I really I actually feel like that was one of my favorite favorite shows was back in November with uh, Naked and Famous at school night that was uh, really, just saw Naked and Famous this weekend they're amazing that was a really special I night I just say really quickly that sounded like the band said that and the band did not say Matt said that yeah, <laughs> a joke because Matt does that Matt Goldman adding color best color guy in the biz Matt Goldman's yeah. gonna shut up now and the band can respond to their own no. can I say I wish I had more pizza <laughs> I mean there's some beer left I think all the moonshine's gone is the moonshine gone? no there's I'm, there's a little, oh, cu- know, a little cu- cuppy cuppy oh no dude um, what's going on right there? is that bottle empty? That bottle, but I think he hands decimated it. <laughs> we yeah, did not. Hands all over this we did not. We did not. Um, no, you know, I, mean, I probably don't need more than three. I mean, you are so. I mean, can I, I get a like? How red, how red is he? Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say you're 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 glowing actually. You're like you're you are Rudolph's nose. So all right. So hold on. Can, can I say? Stop. Best late night taco place in L.A. Ooh, oh good. So that's. Hard. I'm gonna go to no, Sean on that. We're deferring. Oh, Matt says not hard hands. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Let's see. Let's go to the board. Yeah. What do you got? I think we can all answer the same. Oh, Flamin' Taco. Oh, Flamin' Taco. What's the order? It's like 2 a.m. You just played a show. You're wasted. You're tired. Oh, Flamin' Taco. Oh, Flamin no, but what's yeah, the order? Know, what are you, what are you ordering? Oh, what are you ordering? Here, here's, here's, what are, I, I never remember. Here's the, the jam. <laughs> that all. is actually the correct answer. Yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> Ding, let's go to the board. <laughs> Cannot remember order. That's 100 people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you order? It's about their El Pastor. They do like... They do legit al pastor <laughs> with the, you know, like the, the meat on the spit, and they, yeah. they carve it off. It's, God, it's I, good. I love it when someone's like a little crusty, like a yeah. little burn, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and what else is late nighting? What do we got going on in L.A.? I mean, pink's sort of... Yeah. 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 What else? What do we got? What's, late, what's the late night food spot? You see, you know, what's sad is there aren't all that many. We, I mean, I end up... Sadly, at like fast food, no, super I do, drunk, like In and Out. I do Thai, yeah, you know, Thai or yeah, Korean. Yeah, they close it too, you know. Thai or Korean, yeah, Thai or Korean. Thai or Korean. Yeah. There's a faux place near us that's not good, but they're open 24. Oh, hours. Oh, it's a faux show. It's faux. It's, it's faux city, but they are faux show, not that good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about during the day? <laughs> we're just, we're just talking along here. <laughs> it's not. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Park's Barbecue, the Korean barbecue. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah? actually Park's had a party catered mm, <laughs> It's pretty... No, that was... Yeah, the Korean oh, barbecue oh, place. That was, that was my 26th yeah. I mean, that's... that's. I feel like that's... What did they provide for you? That's what it was. <laughs> Bulgogi. Bulgogi, yeah. yeah. Pork belly. Pork belly. Yes. Do they provide all those, like, really fun little kimchi things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever you want. 
They got it all. That so was. Uh, hold on a second. Let, let's let's switch this up. So I saw you guys in South what by Southwest. What do you mean? Well, this is a great food banter. No, it's a great food banter. <laughs> I saw you guys South by Southwest. You guys are out here. Uh, it's weird to say this, and like I don't want to like fan weird. out. Do I'm, it. Not in the fan out, but like you guys seem to like be growing with each month that I've seen you guys. You get a lot of support from Matt Goldman providing co- color commentary I don't here. Like MFG. Paul Tao and everything. So it's like, how do you feel that um, entering into CMJ? Is this your first CMJ? Yeah. Yes. How do you guys feel entering into it? Lucky. Do you yeah. feel yeah. that you could be the darlings of CMJ this year? I would. Lo- I would love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly, I mean, it's, no, it's, it's I, hard. I, I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. Let's sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm, Absolutely. I'm two drinks away from crying. So let's talk about real things. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know. I mean, it would be idiotic for me to say that we make music with the intention of being anything but like you know something people really care about. I mean, yeah. I mean, and that's I mean, and that's that's just the way it is. Can I mean I can say this as like an outsider observer, like I and I, Paul brought me to see you guys. I know Matt has you know you know had you guys booking, and I keep seeing you guys around. So it's like kind of like if there was like a you know a GOP type of situation of running GOP, for like, like you know the running parties. Like there's a bunch of candidates for the mm-hmm. darling. He's Hans is with me. Yeah, you are off in a moonshot. So we're like the Herman. King. Yeah. No. Oh, oh. More so like the. Would you rather be the Romney or the Bachman? Or oh, the. the or they know. might be the Herman Cain. That's an unfair question. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I don't know man. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's like heading into your first CMJ. You guys have a lot of stuff behind you. It's like, how do you feel about it? I am very. I'm very interested to see how it goes. I'll say that. I mean, we, you know, played twice yesterday in Florida. Had an absolute blast, and uh, hopefully all of our shows go better and better and better. I heard both know? Mickey and Donald came out of those shows. Yes, this is true. <laughs> let's play another song. Yeah, let's play another song. You heard... I'm not, don't even say I'm cut off. <laughs> don't even say. I got squash at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'm going to sweat all out. <laughs> uh, Alright, we got another song coming up from Hands. What is this song called? Um, this is actually a song called Brave Motion that we've never played acoustic, so I hope you enjoy it. Snacky Tunes exclusive. Bow, 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 bow. Air horn. <laughs> <laughs>
Whoa. Whoa. It's like a stop short at a bus stop. <laughs> uh, that never happened before. No. We never did that. Yeah, we've never yeah. played that song acoustic before now. Awesome. Hey, so Snaggy Tunes exclusive. Yeah. yeah. What is it called again? Brave, brave Motion. Shut up. <laughs> Look, that's the moonshine. Yeah. So we are... Uh, Running low here on questions. No, we're running <laughs> and uh, and patter, but uh, so, let's uh, can, can yeah, can open it up. No, no, I got a question. So, going into your first CMJ, it's always interesting to think of your mindset. Like, can you be real? Can you be moonshine real? Yes. Like, how do you guys really feel? Like, on, like, on, <laughs> can we can we be moonshine? No, I, real? I know, but like, like, no, like, but we're we're getting moonshine real right no, now. Let's, let's get moonshine real. Like, okay. Like, how do you like honestly? Like, what do you guys think about? Like, what's going on with this? Like, are you scared? Are you happy? I will tell you right now, personally. On a percentage basis, like, 90% of me is completely petrified. Okay. And 10% of me is like, this better be fucking awesome. So... But you already did South by Southwest. Yeah. How is, I know. How is yeah, it any different? Okay. It, 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 I was petrified there, too. Honestly, oh. it's, it's not... Uh, I, it's not like an unnatural fear or anything. I just want to do really well. And I think that we all are in that boat together. Mm-hmm. That's, like, what my most... That's what I like about these guys, is I feel like we all really want to do well. And we're never, ever, ever like, yeah, that was great. That was perfect. I think that um, this is, for me personally, this is a very surreal experience. Because if you asked me a year ago if I thought I was going to be flying to Florida and then taking a red-eye flight to New York the next day to have a week full of shows, I would have told you you were lying. And that wouldn't happen to me. So this is... It's a very surreal experience, and I feel very lucky to be in this room right now. You know, it's a very, very fulfilling experience. And I mean, you guys should feel confident enough to enjoy it. I agree. Oh yeah, no, we're you enjoying know? it. I mean, you gotta enjoy the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think the healthy fear is actually what what makes my for me as a performer. That's where I like. That's where I live. I mean, I, I think that's a good point to that's a good point to bring it to a wrap. Yeah, should we do one more song? Yeah, but um, let's get all the, uh, yeah, the necessaries out of the way. Nothing so if, if I'm on the what book? The what, what book? What do I find? You're on the my face? My book? My face. Twitter book. <laughs> my face. So, so I'm surfing my face, okay? Yes. Uh, <laughs> How do we uh, find you guys? And what do, I, what do I download on my face? Yeah. Okay. Because let me just say, hands? I know. Not the most Google. It's not. It's not. Name, have, you ever, have you ever wikied hands? Because uh, there's a hell of a lot of information on your hands. Yeah, let, me, um, let me ask you as a band that is ungoogleable <laughs> and unwikiable, was it a concert decision or where did the name come from? I'm sorry, that sounds a little slurred. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can, 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 can I ask you a question? What is your fame? Your uh, favorite fact about hands? Our, my favorite fact about hands. Yeah. I honestly think my favorite fact might be that we met our bassist on Craigslist. No, I don't I, know. I, I actually meant like oh hands, hands. Yeah. hands. Oh, uh, everything that they, everything that we've accomplished as like a society. How it's, you, it's all there. The hand, you, the hands, man. And how do you feel about people? <laughs> Who use their feet as hands? Fucking idiots! I don't know. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> never forget. Never forget. Oh, whatever. Never forget his hands. No, I is think holding his face right now. No. <laughs> All right, let's get the uh, Twitter website. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yes, we're we're everything's hands sounds. H a n d s s o u n d s. Twitter.com slash handsounds, MySpace, website. EP is mastered? It's mastered, and I think we're going to do a release hopefully early next year, but we did just put a single out. I think I already spat that out. It's called Warm Night Home. Which you can can find on the internet. You can find it on uh, on the internet. What shows? Give us all the deets. Um, This week, we have a a ton of shows. Uh, Tomorrow being the best one. Yeah, tomorrow, school night. Oh, and... 
Wait, let's give a shout out to Matt Goldman. Yeah, seriously. How, ra- how rad is Matt Goldman? Oh God, I don't think there. I don't think there are enough numbers or letters. Not enough adjectives before rad. Synonyms for rad. Can we announce that? Can you guys talk about what we're doing together at the end of December? Oh yeah, we're throwing New Year's Eve together at the Ace Hotel. Awesome. I yeah. thought I, you know, I thought it was still pending. That's good to hear. Oh, I mean, <laughs> wait, uh, did I just show my? It's Confirmed. pending. Confirmed. Confirmed. Oh shit! And also, um, unbeknown, unbeknownst to me, Matt Goldman has a clothing line now. Did you guys know this? Chambers. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Yeah, we're. Uh, yeah, we actually went and played show. that Mason what, uh, thing with um, Chambers. Yeah. What type of clothing? Devin. Uh, adult diapers. Fantastic. Adult, adult contemporary. Just adult contemporary diaper. <laughs> now, uh, what type of clothing do you have? Uh, it's like a full like uh, button downs, jackets, jeans, shirts. I make the t-shirts. I make the can, marketing. Can you dress us? What's up? <laughs> I would love to dress can us. Can Snacky Tunes be the Let me say this. I show? still haven't figured out exactly when the boxes get delivered because they don't come to my office. And by the time I know, they're like, oh, we have to ship it. We just, we'd have none. And they all look really good. Like they have nice clothes on all the time. Oh. So I think that they just take it. My Skimming. partners. Is the website under 36 Chambers? It's ChambersClothing.net. <laughs> Can we talk for pants? Wu Tang. Wu Tang. Yes. Wait, can we talk for seconds? Cream. All I heard was a red light going off and it said, mention website. Can, can we just talk for one second about Wugazi? Have you guys heard about this? Uh, yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, the mashup. Yeah. The, it's it's, it's Wu Tang and Fugazi. That's amazing. Playing at Fun 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 Fest, which we're, we're going to be at. Wait. It's, yeah. Wugazi. It's, it's, not, it's not original members of. Are you. No, it's all new members of, of Fugazi and yeah. Wu-Tang. It's oh. none of the people from the It's all the people. Okay, yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm so pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so yeah. pissed. Get me to fun for you. Like, everyone's like, we're booking tickets now. It's one guy who so took Fugazi right? songs and Wu-Tang songs. Oh, it's not members of Wu-Tang or Fugazi? Uh, it's Ian McCry. Ian <laughs> <laughs> McCry. Uh, all, all Dirty Custard. <laughs> Uh, all right. Everyone remembers. Yeah, the Wizza. He was that that black uh, Wizard of Oz. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So we're gonna get one uh, more yeah. song on hand. Fugazi, right? That's we, that's weird. Um, Fugazi's one of my all-time I, it favorite bands. It must be one of those man. things. Like when I heard it, I was like, I was like. What drugs were you on when you thought this would be perfect together? It's, yeah. It was good enough to get booked at Fun 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 yeah, Fest. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. The proof is in the paper. All right. Do do? That that sound that sound means that we're ready to uh, play. A, what are you gonna play us on? And what's the name of the song? Okay. This one's called Force Fascination. Forced. Dude, we still have wallpaper left. They're coming. No. Dude, no. Okay, so you're gonna, you're gonna end the segment. We're gonna have some more moonshine. <laughs> I really hope our parents don't listen to this episode. <laughs> Dear mom and dad. Yeah. Hey, Jack. Just if put anything. They're gonna understand. Just Jack. Just put. Dear mom and dad, don't listen to this episode. In the beginning. It's a title. It's a title. Okay, so uh, hands. Possible darlings of CMJ. <laughs> Handsome as shit.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.